Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends! Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Okay, today we are going to be talking about the very dreaded and the surprisingly, well, maybe not so surprising to some of you, but (laughs) the surprisingly controversial bird flu, aka highly pathogenic avian influenza. And I just want to say no matter what side of the fence you are, are on, because Unfortunately, a fence has been created and people are getting on sides of that fence. This is a threat, okay? It, it, it is a threat to our flocks and it's certainly a threat to the poultry industry, uh, no matter how you're looking, you're choosing to look at this. Normally for this podcast, I have a listener question that I answer, but today I actually don't have a listener question. But if you would like to submit a question for future podcasts, you can totally do that by going to my website, welcome to chickenlandia.com, and you can go to the contact section and go to ask a, a chicken question. There's a little drop down menu. So go there and submit your question, and you could end up being chicken famous. I can't answer every question, but I do read them all, and I love hearing from you guys. So I have two announcements before we get started, because you guys know I got to pay those chicken bills. I got I got to pay those chicken bills. They just keep, they're trying to eat me out of house and home. <laughs> so as always, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. My Favorite Chicken is my favorite online shop to get my feed. They have scratch and peck feed, which is one that I really love. They're non-GMO, they're organic, they're socially responsible. I get my chicken supplies from my favorite chicken and other fun chicken stuff. So if you want to check them out, I'm going to put a link in the description. It is myfavoritechicken.com. This podcast was also brought to you by a company that I'm very excited to be working with called Small Pet Select. And if you are on my Instagram, you will see I posted, I'm like obsessed with one of their products right now. (laughs) It's a bag that you can grow sprouts in, like you grow fodder in the bag and then you, you know, it grows really fast and you can take it outside and feed it to your chickens and it just like keeps growing. You like cut, you know, you clip the top off of it and it just keeps growing and it's great for if you are in the city, in the suburbs or your chickens don't have pasture 
It's just great. I just love it. So I just posted a video about it. I think it was yesterday or Saturday. Um, so go check that out. So they have that. It's called Pet Greens. And then they have this, these um, shavings that I really love that are organic. They're organic pine shavings. I love those. So I'm going to put a link to Small Pet Select in the description and in the show notes. And you should check them out too. So I need to say a few things before we get into it. I want to remind all of you that I am not a veterinarian. I am not a scientist. I don't work for the FDA <laughs> or any government agency. I'm not, I'm not in the Illuminati. <laughs> um, I am first and foremost an educator, and I am an enthusiast like most of you, I imagine, are. Today, as we do this, I, I'm just going to do my best to calm your fears and to offer some simple common sense advice. God, my kid just like slammed the door. It's like they get to this age where they, you can't just close the door. It has to be slammed as loud as possible. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to give you some simple common sense advice, uh, but I want you to remember that nothing I say is meant to replace advice from your veterinarian or um you know, recommendations coming from your local authorities. I can't responsibly go against anything like that. Okay. So, and, and also your own research and your own common sense. Okay. Those, those would be the most important things. So yes, please do your own research. Try to find unbiased sources to gather information from uh, you know, some people not, might not agree with what I'm about to say, but I also think it is really important to listen to your gut and just try and stay above the noise because there's a lot of noise right now. And this is not a declaration of what side I'm on considering this issue because it's turning into a culture war uh, within the chicken community, which I don't I don't really love that. You know, I, I wish that wasn't happening, but it is. But the main thing I don't want for you is to get like confused and scared because when people are scared, it's hard to make clear decisions. Okay, so just try and stay above all that as much as possible. With that being said, let's talk about bird flu. Okay, so let's let's talk about what's going on. Uh, let's talk about what symptoms to look for and what are some simple things that you can do with your flock and your family so that regardless of where, you know, what, how you feel about this, how this is being handled, you can stay away from it and just continue to reap the benefits of your chickens and not have to worry about all this. So as of this recording... Uh, on the CDC website, it states that there are currently 25 states where poultry has been affected by avian influenza. And this is highly pathogenic avian influenza because there's also low pathogenic avian influenza. And that's really not a concern to the poultry industry, but the highly pathogenic is. Okay. There are 31 states that where the wild bird uh, population has been affected. There is a little over 20 uh, or a little over 24 million poultry poultry affected. Um, and then there's 637 wild birds that have confirmed cases. So in the, and there's no human cases in the U S okay. <laughs> that, that is very rare. 
very rare and requires, you know, certain circumstances that I'm really hoping you don't have existing in your backyard. So I don't want you to worry about that. Um, You know, human influenza A is different than what I'm talking about today, the avian influenza that we're talking about, which is H5N1. That is different. I've had, you know, influenza A. It was awful. (laughs) awful. It was worse than COVID. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, and you know, I didn't get COVID that bad. My husband got it pretty bad. Um, so probably he would say COVID was worse, but, uh, for me, the influenza A was awful. Um, so what I don't, I definitely don't want you to do is to be worried that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get word flu, bird flu. Just, you know, wash your hands. Okay. (laughs) Um, so in the grand scheme of things, Uh, When you really think about it and you think about all the backyard flocks that are in the United States and all the commercial flocks that are in the United States, it's a, these are a lot, those numbers are high, but these numbers of cases are actually not super scary. Um, I'm, when I said the numbers are high, I mean, there's a lot of commercial flocks and there's a lot of backyard chickens. And so when you think about all that and you think about the number of cases that there are, and honestly, like when I was looking at the numbers today, they're overwhelmingly commercial flocks with, you know, some of them hundreds of thousands of birds. Okay. And in a few, you know, very few backyard flocks with, with, you know, just small backyard flocks. That's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the the risk is relatively low. And I'm not saying that there's not no risk and that, you know, we do have to be careful. But I was I was fairly comforted, comforted by these numbers that I saw today. So here's what I think that you should do. These are simple things that you can do. And of course, this is, you know, I have to give my disclaimer again. This is always dependent on what your local authorities are recommending. But if you're in an area where you don't have rules that are, you know, that you're being told, other things that you're being told, this is what I recommend that you do as of right now. Uh, Number one, practice good biosecurity. Okay, and that's kind of a no-brainer. You know, make sure that the, the boots that you're wearing are different from the shoes that you wear when you go out into the world. Certainly when you, when you visit other flocks, you shouldn't be wearing the same shoes. You don't want to cross-contaminate, even if you have like more than one flock where you live. Let's say that you're bringing in new chickens and you're going through that time where you are, uh, you, you have your new chickens in quarantine. You don't want to cross-contaminate those flocks. And I do have a couple of videos about that. I have a video about, about practicing biosecurity when you're bringing in new chickens and I have my initial video that I did about bird flu and some simple things that you can do. And I'm going to link both of those videos in the description for you. Um, I think it's fairly, you know, it's a good idea to keep your feeders and your feed away from wild birds. You know, you definitely don't want wild birds defecating in your feed. <laughs> so that's kind of a common sense thing. Keep it, keep it undercover. You know, if you usually put your feeder out in the middle of the lawn, uh, you know, for right now, let's keep it in the coop or keep it under 
um, a tarp or something like that so wild birds aren't able to just poop in it (laughs) willy-nilly. Keep your flock separate from other flocks. So, you know, if if you can, if it's possible for you, you really don't want your chickens mingling with other flocks. And that's not a super common situation. Um, you know, for some people, if they're out in the country and then they've got their flocks like really free ranging and then they've got neighbors with other, with their flocks that are, you know, free ranging for right now, you might consider keeping them separate and not letting them mingle together. But usually they don't do that that much because, you know, there's a whole pecking order thing. Um, you could consider, and this is after evaluating your risk and thinking about what the situation is where you live right now, uh, you could consider not growing your flock this year. Now, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm telling you to evaluate your risk, okay? And it might make you feel better to talk to, like if you're getting your birds from somewhere from a breeder, you talk to them about what their practices are, um, you can talk to, you know, you can talk to the hatchery about what their practices are, consider where, what state you're getting them from and what the numbers are there and evaluate that. And I'm, I'm really hesitant to say, you know, don't start a flock this year. That's really hard for me to say, because I think it's really important for, you know, to me, it's like the more the merrier, we need more people to have backyard flocks so that we can have less flocks in commercial farms, less chickens in commercial farms. Like that's, that's my goal. That's my agenda. So, but I also, I can't tell you that there's no risk. Okay. So you evaluate that risk and decide what you want to do. Non-lethal predator proofing, I think is really going to be best for you. And the reason I say that is because Predators are an important part of your local ecosystem. They keep the rodent population down. And right now you really want to be mindful about rodents getting into your chicken yard. So if you are to just kill off all the raccoons, all the skunks, all the possums, like everything around your yard, what you're doing is creating a perfect scenario for rodents to, you know, infest your area. So you don't want that. So definitely you don't want to be attracting rodents. Make sure feed is locked up. Make sure you're not feeding, leaving food scraps out. It needs to be cleaned up before bedtime, before chicken bedtime. There should not be feed out because that will attract rodents into your yard. And if you have a lot of debris in your yard, it might be a time to clean that up and just not make um, little rat hotels. (laughs) And I'm not judging yard debris. Okay. Cause we've got some, <laughs> I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that, you know, you just don't want to make it like really attractive for little critters to come and hang out and then just, you know, practice good husbandry. Keep your coop clean. Don't, don't keep it sterile, but keep it clean. Uh, be reasonable about it. Uh, don't let the ammonia build up. Don't let there be a whole bunch of mud in your yard. And if you need uh, some advice on how to deal with mud, I'll also I'll put a, a video in the description for you and in the show notes. Um, this is not the year to go crazy with the chicken math and end up overcrowded. Okay, these are the kind of conditions. That's why you see you know avian influenza affecting commercial flocks the most. Because these crowded 
conditions, it's stressful, and those conditions are ripe for disease. So you don't you don't want to create that condition in your backyard. So right now, make sure that your chickens have as much room as they can possibly have. Okay, and that room should have some sun and it should have some shade. And like I said, it should be free of mud. Make sure and give them good nutrition for their stage of life. That's kind of a no-brainer, but I do have to say that. Like, uh, you know, the majority of their diet should be a good quality as, as, as much as you can afford, a good quality uh, chicken feed. And you can give them greens. Um, you know, you can supplement them with some healthy kitchen scraps. That's going to be really good for your chickens. You don't want them to be in a compromised position right now. So you don't want them to be stressed out. You know, like overcrowded, bullying going on, um, not getting enough feed, not getting clean water. All of those things are really important. And when we think about controlling disease in our own lives, you know, we think about controlling stress because there is a big connection. And that's why I'll always say, you know, if you want to look at the perfect circumstances for disease to spread and get really out of control and mutate and everything else, go look at a commercial farm. Um, but we don't have that. We hopefully don't have that situation in our backyard. And I do have, um, some immune boosting practices. They are, you know, it's a little bit much for me to talk about right now. I do talk about it in my online course. It is called Chickenlandia's Backyard Chickens 101. A chicken course for everyone. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to my website, welcometochickenlandia.com. It's an interactive online course. If you join, you can ask me questions. I try to get back to you within 24 hours. And it's just a good, you know, it, it's just got it's just got all the stuff. And it's for beginners and intermediate people. And I, I do talk a lot about just some simple things that you can do to, you know, boost your chicken's immune system. So let's say you've done all these things, you did everything right, and you have a sick chicken. So the symptoms of bird flu, they really mimic a lot of other chicken illnesses. But, you know, mainly it's, you know, lethargic chicken, listless, kind of just standing there, um, loss of appetite, lack of coordination. They might have like a discoloration of the comb and wattles, like a, you know, like a more purple, like they're just not getting enough oxygen. Um, they could have swelling in the face and in the nasal, you know, especially the nasal passages. And then like congestion, rattling, you know, if you hear like rattling in their, in their sinuses, uh, sneezing, labored breathing, just general respiratory symptoms. And of course, like if you just, if they just suddenly die and certainly if you're having more than one chicken suddenly die, that's when you, you know, kind of that light bulb goes off like, Hmm, I wonder. But I do want to say that there are a lot of chicken illnesses and there's, you know, a few different respiratory illnesses that your chickens can get here in the Pacific Northwest. There's a lot of bacterial respiratory stuff that goes around um, so just because you have a chicken that is sick, and even if they have a respiratory illness, that doesn't necessarily mean they have bird flu. Okay, I want you to remember that. 
Oh, and I, you know what? I didn't say it before, but like wash your hands before and after you deal with your chickens and, you know, between flocks, definitely, you know, wash your hands. That goes with the good biosecurity stuff. But if I just had, you know, even in my flock right now, if I had one chicken that had some respiratory stuff, I would handle it like I normally do. And that would be, you know, practicing the, the, uh, uh, sick chicken protocol that I have, the rest method, and I will put a link to that in the description and in the show notes. But it's just like a, a very easy um, protocol that you can do when you have a sick chicken. And I, you know, and I do have another video. It's called like chickens sneezing. Here's what to do or something like that. And it's not a great video. I got a lot of feet, a lot of pushback from it because I put like fake sneezes because I, I didn't have any chickens that were sneezing. So I, I just, I took chickens that were like shaking their heads and I put a fake like human sneeze sound and every, a lot of people complained about that. Like, I want, I want to hear a real chicken sneeze. And I said, well, my chickens aren't sick. Like they're not sneezing. But anyway, I'll put that in the description and the show notes. Um, but, you know, I, I would default on just initially if you have a sick chicken that you just have a sick chicken. And I would move forward the way you normally do. Obviously, if that chicken dies and you end up with like other chickens that are dying, that's when you need to think, okay, what's going on here? But I wouldn't necessarily jump right to that. And I would try as much as possible to remember that, you know, right now and even today, I was just researching about it. And there's some scary headlines out there, you know, like the way that headlines are written is is to generate ad revenue. And so remember that, okay? Just remember that. And try to stay level-headed, um, hug your chickens, and <laughs> remember that you're not going to get it and just keep your eyes on the prize. And that means, like, just keep your chickens safe and um, hopefully this will pass quickly, okay? So um, I hope that is some... Um, you know, some helpful information for you. Um, and I hope it helps to calm your fears. I'm certainly not trying to cause fear. I just want uh, people to stay calm and wash your hands and hug your chickens. <laughs> and we're going to get through this. Okay. Okay. I'm going to open the chat up for questions. Okay. So the nature kid has asked, is bird flu similar to gape worm? Um, I think that, you know, it's possible that some of the uh, symptoms might be similar um, because you might see like the gasping, you know, that gasping gape worm kind of has like the chicken will do this gasp thing. Um, it almost looks like they're yawning too much or something. Um, so you might, you could see that with respiratory stuff. So, uh, you know, it's possible it's super hard. You know, I get a lot of messages um, with people who their chickens have something going on. They're not well. And people will message me and say, you know, what is this? And I, they're so, chickens present illness in so many different ways and can look so similar, the different illnesses that it's really hard to diagnose something without getting testing done. Um so I would say yes, possibly that it could look similar, but uh, certainly gape worm 
uh, would not be as serious a situation. Uh, from Hannah Pittman, my chickens have been sneezing. What do you think it could be and what should I do? So, uh, you know, sometimes chickens just sneeze. Um, and it's not a big deal. It doesn't really mean anything. Like maybe they have something in their nair, which is their nostril. Um, and they're just sneezing and and it's not just like when people sneeze, it's not a big deal. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're sick. Now, if they're chronically sneezing, um, I would bring the ones that like, if they're starting to appear ill, I would bring those ones inside. I would isolate them from the rest of your flock and go from there. So, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, I have something called the REST method. It's R-E-S-T, stands for remove from flock, electrolyte vitamins and probiotics, scrambled egg, and temperature control. (laughs) And if you want to learn more about that, I do have a video about it, and I will post that in the show notes and in the description, in, in the description, um, And then also, Hannah, you might want to watch the video where I talk about uh, chicken sneezing because in that one, I go into more of just like, what can you do? Like I talk about giving your chickens garlic. I talk about um, some essential oils that you can use in the coop. And if you have chickens that are um, separated from your flock, you can use some essential oils. Now, I don't put essential oils on my chickens. Um, and I don't put them in my chickens, but I will put some, a few drops of some clearing essential oils, like, uh, you know, like lemon, lavender, uh, mint, eucalyptus. I will put a, a couple draw a few drops of that on a paper towel and hang that up in the coop or on like a, a car, if you have like a car diffuser, you can hang it up in the coop and, or I will hang it up wherever I have my sick chicken, um, and that, that can help too. But, um, you know, definitely if it is a situation where you have a lot of chickens that are sick, you, you would, you know, your best course of action. And I know this isn't, this isn't, uh, um, feasible for everybody, but your best course of action would be to consult with a licensed veterinarian. So kiss my grass acres asks, I have 22 hens one rooster and two guineas. I want I want to release the guineas. But with this flu, should I? So do you mean release them with the rest, of, you know, um, integrate them with your flock? Is that what you mean? I assume you don't mean release them into the wild. <laughs> um, so release them into your flock. You know, I don't know. It's really hard for me to answer these questions because... A lot of it depends on how much risk you're willing to absorb. So when you think about what the situation is where you live, what what level of risk are you willing to take? And with all of those facts in front of you, like, oh, you know, there's bird flu all around us. Should I do this right now? And you have, you know, you might decide, I don't want, I don't want to take that chance. Um, because I do, you know, the 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 reality of it is. And this is a very unfortunate reality, but not only could your chickens get sick, you know, you have this situation where you have sick chickens and you may lose chickens, but, you know, this is a reportable disease and you could lose your flock. So with all of that considered, what I can say is 
evaluate your risk. And if you're, if you feel like you're okay with it and you, you know, you know what the circumstances could possibly be, then I would say, you know, go ahead and integrate them. But I can't tell you that there's no risk to that. Um, and in fact, there's probably people that would be quite upset with me for not saying, you know, don't do it. But it's important for me to um, acknowledge that people are, you know, depend- independent and, and that they can, you know, make their decisions and decide what risks they're willing to take. Um, so I would say it really depends on where you are and what level of risk you're willing to take. Uh, Susie Floozy asks, any idea how long a flu outbreak generally takes? You know, it probably depends on how it's handled, but um, it could be, you know, I mean, in the UK, they've been dealing with this for a while. It's, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but uh, so don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure it's been a couple of years that they've been dealing with this. But the last time I remember, and it's cyclical, so it's not like, you know, this is the first time we've seen avian influenza. It happens, you know, it happens every year. It goes around. Uh, sometimes it, it's not within the United States. And uh, this year it is. And certainly I think we have kind of more of a hyper, you know, we're, we're paying more attention to it this year because of the last two years that we've been through. I really think that that's that's the kind of climate we're in that we're kind of like, um, hyper aware of this kind of stuff. So, uh, my hope is that it's just a few months. I I think, and I'm not positive about this, but I think it would depend on how it's handled. And I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't have a definitive answer on that. I'll have to look more into that. And, you know, there may be some questions that I get today where I might actually do a part two, (laughs) You know, I'll write down the questions that I couldn't answer and, you know, we'll get into that. But I, you know, my hope is that we're not going into next year with these um, considerations. But, you know, I had that hope in 2022. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, In Texas asks, of the 24 states, is South Texas affected? You know what? I don't know. I think it is in Texas. Um, I don't know if it's in South Texas. I can't tell you that for sure. I will. I do have some links in the description where you can look and see, you know, where the where the um, um, cases are. So uh, once we get off of the live, you can go and look and see. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you can look now, but. Um, there are links in the description and in the show notes where you can check to see where the cases have shown up. So I'm not sure. I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. So the nature kid is asking, if I touch another flock with bird flu, then I touch my flock, will my chickens get sick? It, it, you know, I, I would say there's probably a lot of factors that go into that, whether or not that would happen. But that's one of the reasons why it's important to practice good biosecurity. I certainly would not go to another, you know, hanging out with another flock, hanging out with somebody else's chickens and touching them and hugging them and all that stuff. And then go back and mingle with your flock without, uh, you know, changing your shoes, washing your hands and doing what you need to do to prevent cross-contamination. 
Uh, Pandora Fox asks, can you tell if wild birds are infected or sick with bird flu? Um, you know, some of them display symptoms and get sick, but it is a, this is according to um, what I've read um, and, you know, on the government websites. Um, it, it, what I have read is that wild birds can carry, can carry it, can, they can be carriers and not present symptoms. And I, you know, I, this is very unscientific what I'm about to say, but I did find it interesting that like, you know, here's the wild bird population with such low numbers compared to uh, commercial poultry and they can go around without any symptoms. And I really had the thought of just like, well, you know, they're outside, they're in the fresh air and they're living the way, way wild birds are supposed to live. So this disease is not affecting them as much. Um, like I said, that's not a scientific thought. I just had that thought you know, because when chickens are super overcrowded and stressed, that's when they're more likely to succumb to things like this. Oh, so the Chickenlandia presidential uh, advisor says avian flu has been reported in Texas and is currently being monitored there. I'm not sure on the specific regions, though. Thank you, Chickenlandia presidential advisor. Uh, Sunny's Place says, I really appreciate you talking about this and being willing to educate others. Thank you so much. You know, it is, it, I, I'm in, I, I feel that, and this may be imagined, <laughs> But I feel that I'm in a bit of a precarious position because, you know, I don't want to say anything that would put somebody's flock in danger. And I also don't want to make people really scared. So I have to be really careful and really responsible with what I say. And so that's why I, I will always just stress that, you know, it doesn't even matter because a lot of people are like, you know, talking about where it possibly came from and what, you know, all this stuff. Um, and my main concern is just making sure that you guys are staying safe and that your chickens are safe. Um, and that's my main concern. So I'm, you know, hoping with just these simple things that I'm saying that uh, I can help some people. The Nature Kid asks, are any birds immune to bird flu? You know, I would assume, and this is, I'm, like I said, I'm not a scientist. I'm certainly not a virologist, okay? But I am going to assume, and certainly in the wild bird population, there probably are birds that are immune to it, just like, you know, people are immune to different diseases and, and different flus. And it's not, you know, it's not novel. This has been around for a while. So um, I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I imagine that there are birds that are immune to bird flu that have resistance against it. Um, but there are also, you know, many birds that aren't. So guys, I, I really appreciate you being here. I think everybody had wonderful behavior in the chat and I really appreciate that. I know that we have, um, lots of different opinions on, on the whole bird flu thing and I'm glad that we can get together and talk about it and just really, you know, uh, try and help each other out and help help each other keep our, our flocks healthy. Um, thank you to my moderators, 13 Moons Over Mayhem, and my co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, also known as the Chickenlandia Presidential Advisor. 
Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate and review it, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. That's where it really helps me. You know, I get like, and I'm always checking to see where I'm at, but, um, uh, you know, you get ranked in your category. Like this is like pets and animals or something like that. And so the more you guys watch, the better my rank ranking goes and the more people are able to actually see the podcast because it'll just, it'll just make sure that more eyes get on it. So I really appreciate that um, when you rate and review it. The main thing I want you to remember, no matter what, no matter what is going on outside in the world, I want you to remember that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Thanks, guys. Bye. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.